Hey teachers, happy Friday. You're listening to the thing that we do on Friday with me, Brother Lawson, and Brother Wing, who's one day older and wiser, too. Yeah. How are, how are you, Brother Wing? I'm doing fine, but it is a little discouraging to think that with leap year coming, it's 365 days until my next birthday. Oh, That's man. a long time that I got to wait till my next birthday. So, but you know, I'll live. Uh, what a terrible year to have a birthday during a leap year. Man. <laughs> got to wait a long time. <laughs> the trial that you must wade through and you alone. Uh, did you go out to eat anywhere for your birthday? Um, I think we're going to do that tonight, actually. So we'll Where celebrate. Sawgrass. Oh, yeah. It's a sponsor of our of our podcast. The yeah. We do on Fridays. Yeah. Yes. Sawgrass. Well, that's good. I'm happy for you. I'm very happy for you. All right. Uh, so this week, this week in seminary, we have uh, the best chapters in the Book of Mormon. It's oftentimes, they're referred to as the Isaiah chapters, but I like to call them the best chapters. So um, I don't have the pacing guide in front of me. We have no idea what we're talking about. I know it's 11 through 19, but, but how do we got yeah. this broken up this week? All right. So second, if I 11 on Monday, the whole then, day. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then Tuesday, second, if I 12 through 15. So four chapters. So you see it. four chapters of, e- of Isaiah. E- yep. Four e- chapters e- of Isaiah. <laughs> yep. And then uh, Thursday is just second, if I 16 all by itself. And then February 29th is second Nephi 17 to 19. And then we got Friday, March 1st, Doctrinal Master Review 4. But, you know, we could throw three on because we we shoved three out last week. Yeah, we did. We did. That's a good point. Well, I like that. I like that. That's a whole day on Chapter 11. Uh, chapter 11 is a great chapter to set the context for the uh, like. Chapter 11 may be one of the most important chapters uh, for our students to really be comfortable with uh, in order to understand the chapters that are coming next. Right? They, they, they set some great context. I think that, um, well, how would you, I'll let you start us off, Brother Wing. And if your idea is better than mine, then I'm just going to go on to the next chapters. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, here goes. I, I feel the pressure, but I, I welcome it. Yeah. All right, so I was I was thinking you asked the students to start class. What's the magic word? You know, and so they might say, "Please, please, please. or mm-hmm. thank you." Uh, Go Cougars! Now, like, or I don't know what they would come up with. It's the what they just without any context. You just say, "What's the magic word?" Mm-hmm. So then you're just like, "All right, just kidding. I don't care about that." But <laughs> chapter eleven, let's go look at this. You got eight verses, really short chapter. You can read the whole thing in probably a minute. What's the magic word of this chapter? You know, what does that even mean? What are you talking about? I don't know. You're just trying to get them to figure out <laughs> what's a really important word, but it's repeated <laughs> in Second Nephi 11. So you could probably come up with a better way to introduce this. I doubt I it. Students, I want my students going into those eight verses, and they're looking for some word that's in there that's just really important to highlight and discuss um, as you as you walk through there. Now, they could have multiple options, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I'm not exactly fishing for one particular word, although the word delighteth seems really important and it, and it's repeated um, in there. But they could also key off of the word witnesses um, that's in there as well. Um, and I And I think that if they are looking for something particular, maybe thinking that you're fishing for something that that might improve their searching abilities and then be able to discuss this. And then all of that, then, you know, it's a, it's a two minute scripture feasting for them, but then there's right. some discussion after that, that yeah. helps really, like you said, provides the context for these Isaiah chapters. And if they can do that, um, what, what I think would happen is, is that, is that you'll have a good conversation about witnesses You'll have a good conversation about why they delight in this. Like, what's something you delight in, you know? And it's okay that you delight in basketball or ice cream or what's yours, Brother Lawson, dancing? No, no I was just thinking how much I delight in those two things. Um, <laughs> yeah. Naming some stuff. Yeah. And so how do you how do you come to delight in words, you know, or helping uh, or talking about covenants? Yeah, like that in verse five when Nephi is like, "Yeah, my my soul delights in covenants, and mercy and grace, and yeah, yeah." Or like verse six, "My soul delights delighteth in proving unto my people that save Christ should come, all men must perish." There's you know, it is exciting. You know, as a teacher, like when all of a sudden, I don't know if this has ever happened to any of our teachers, but you know, when a student actually cares what's happening in class, that's pretty exciting. As a as a teacher, you delight in those moments. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, that's happened for you. Yeah. But I can see Nephi teaching early morning seminary and delighting and people latching onto this stuff. Mm -hmm. That's good. And so, another word that's you know that could that students might pick as the magic word or whatever in chapter eleven is is the word Christ, mm -hmm. and and that would be another one to kind of emphasize on him, you know, focus on him, but then realize all of these Isaiah chapters are about the savior. That's what's really going on here. And so let's look for him as we focus on this. And as we really study, it might take a little bit of work. It might be a different kind of study, but if we really do this, I, as a teacher, am confident that you will end up delighting in the writings of Isaiah and what you're learning from it. So it's really going to work. Let's do this. Yeah. And then I really honestly think that I could take half the class and then you could go into chapter 12. And, oh, you know, I like what you're saying. Yeah. And balance things out. So you're not trying to trying to hit four Isaiah chapters on Tuesday. You could actually pull one of them at least in on Monday and so that they can practice. Like, okay, we got we got a good intro from chapter eleven. Let's just practice it right now. And then do another yeah. scripture feasting uh, with chapter twelve, which I yeah. know you have a great idea for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll just share my idea for seventy five eleven and um so teachers, this will probably take me a minute. So you could probably like skip this next minute and we'll just be, we'll be in chapter 12 by the time you get there. But I I like right at the beginning, verse one, where, um, where Nephi says that Jacob said many more things. I, I think I mentioned before, I really like Jacob and, and I'd like to read many more of his things that he wrote. But um, he said, then Nephi said, I'm not going to include everything he wrote, but I am going to start including some things that Isaiah wrote, verse 2, right? These are things I'd be telling my students. And not only do I delight in Isaiah's words, but I have something uh, in common with Isaiah, and so does my brother Jacob. Um, 
And that is, we've all seen Jesus, right? And so Isaiah is a third witness of Jesus. I'm a witness of Jesus. Jacob is a witness of Jesus. And Isaiah is a witness of Jesus. And I, and so the more witnesses I can get talking about Jesus and their experience with him, the, the more likely people are going to believe and feel the power of those witnesses. And so um, I might put on the board the following question for my students, like, what does Nephi hope the words of Isaiah do? And then just send them, uh, send them into chapter 11 and let them identify things. They'll see in verse three that Isaiah is a, a third witness of Christ. They'll also see that Nephi loves the uh, that these words of Isaiah prove the truth of the coming of Jesus Christ. They'll also see that um, Nephi's soul, that Isaiah talks about covenants. He talks about covenants, grace, justice, power, mercy, uh, and the plan, in the plan of salvation. Nephi loves that. Uh, Isaiah also testifies without Christ, everyone, um, everyone perishes. And also, what Nephi loves about Isaiah is at the end of verse eight, that because of the words of Isaiah, we can rejoice. They lift up that these words can lift up our hearts and, and cause us to rejoice. And so I think our students giving them that question, what does Nephi hope the words of Isaiah will do? Maybe they'll find a few of those things. And if they, you know, if they, if they have this list of things that the words of Isaiah can do for them or help them understand or help them experience then maybe going into chapters 12 through 19 and others that uh, maybe they'll be able to see some of those things, how Isaiah is working to, to be a witness or to prove, prove truth about Jesus Christ, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my idea for saying by 11. I like that. Good. Good. I knew you would. I knew you would. Would you tell me if you didn't like it? I would just probably just smile. <laughs> <laughs> You smile at me a lot. Um, all right, let's go to Second Nephi 12. Uh, I'll tell you my quick idea, uh, Bro Wing. Well, you know, the, we've got 12 through 15, which is a big chunk. And you can, if you do it like how Brother Wing said, you know, you, I mean, you can break this up however you want. I like the idea of, I've been, been on this kick lately of being okay of, and helping my teachers understand it's okay to let your students struggle a little bit even with isaiah especially with isaiah have them struggle and it's like a the springtime for the wing and at this time of year like baby chicks come out of their eggs have you ever seen a, a baby chick hatch before i've watched a video you watched a video you yeah. watched a video of have you live like in the chicken capital of the world and you've only so um one of the things you want to do when a baby chick is hatching from an egg, you want to help it. You want to pull the egg away and you want to help it just get. Did you know that? Yeah, I didn't know. I, I knew this. I learned this in elementary school. Oh, that's actually totally wrong. What I just said was wrong. You don't want to pull the egg shell away from the, that chicken needs to come out of well, the You egg. want to. You just shouldn't. Is what <laughs> you're, but you want to. I agree. You want to, but you shouldn't because the struggling is what allows that chicken to become delicious later at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and so the, um, I think it's okay to let your students struggle. So maybe what I would try to do, I, I really like uh, 
second Nephi chapter 12, I think what I would do is I would give them a few definitions. Like I'd say, hey, you guys, you're going to hear a phrase in here called the phrase is mountain of the Lord. That means temple. You're going to hear house of Jacob. That means members of the church. Uh, you're going to hear about Philistines and strangers. Those people, those people don't care about covenants. They don't care about the gospel or anything like that. Would you just read now, do some scripture feasting on chapter 12? Choose a question from your bookmark, knowing those few definitions. And I'm interested to see what you what Isaiah teaches you here in chapter 12. So that's my that's my big exciting idea. I think it might be it could be terrible, but it could be awesome. It really could be awesome because you gave great context, you know, to just kind of give them a tool to work with. And then you're trusting that the word of God actually has power. And so if they are going to go into it, may, they may not understand everything perfectly, but they, if with that context and in a desirous heart, they can get something meaningful for them. And I totally agree with that. Oh, excellent. And you're not just smiling at me. So I know this is true. Yeah. Yeah. This is legit. Um, <clears throat> I like 12 and 13 together. As well. So I know I just said you could steal one chapter, but maybe you could even steal two into Monday uh, because it would be great to be able to do Second Nephi 14 and 15 on Tuesday. I'll talk about that yeah. in a minute, of course. But with 12 and 13, you have this opportunity to help the students say, look, I mean, I mean, from a teacher perspective with teenagers and Isaiah, it's likely this is really their first serious attempt at understanding his words. Which for me, I don't know about you, Brother Lawson, but it's it's taken layer after layer, you know, of, of kind of taking away one outer layer of this and then you go back again and again and again. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Isaiah is really amazing. It just takes time and practice. And so one really thing, one goal to look at to really realize how successful you can be as a teacher is, did you get them to where they don't hate it? <laughs> You know, and can they <laughs> and can they get to where they just have some understanding, you know, like some background and some practice? Like, did they strip away a layer, basically? And so next time, whether that's next year or some other time when they're in a gospel class, but where they come back around to this, they're like, OK, I'm not I don't hate this. I'm not afraid of it. I know that I can get a little bit more out of this again. And so if all they do like President Packer said, if all they do is read the words and but recognize that these are inspired words of God and they can bless their lives, that's all that happens. I think that's a good success here. Now, in addition to that, they could see that so much of chapters 12 and 13 is talking about people in the latter days who need help. And, and they're trying to hide from God in one way or another. And you could actually look for this in chapters 12 and 13. Like, you just read through there. You, you're not going to understand everything, but just read through there and kind of keep in the back of your mind. Here's some people trying to hide from God, like really starting in chapter 12, verse five, because the yeah. first four verses are also kind of cool, but for a different reason, but starting chapter 12, verse five and on all the way through chapter 13, you got a bunch of hiders. And how do you see the hiding? And how do you see Isaiah symbolically describe that hiding? And then what's the solution to hiding? Like, or the the motive to hide, you know, where's the solution? And that's where the conversation then leads to the savior um, and, and his power. But um, you can see why Jacob would love these because he, he got a people that are kind of cut off uh, from their group. And, but 
chapter 11, verse eight said that here they are because whoever can see these words may lift up their hearts and rejoice for all men. Like you want to feel better about the world? Read Isaiah. But Isaiah is going to be very real with you, especially in these first two chapters about how there's some problems and people are, they're not just cut off from religious people. They're cut off from God and they're even trying to hide from God. Well, why, why are they trying to hide? Like what's going on? And, and so that's where I think if, if they can see um, that kind of context there, chapter 12 and 13, you're really going to set up the problem, you know, in a lot of ways. And the following chapters are going to really hit on some solutions. I think that's great. I was thinking about that. I think that's a great way to uh, identify those chapters as we're, we're dealing with some hiders. That kind of my idea for those chapters, uh, I think that adding that to my idea um, makes my idea a little bit um, better than your just <laughs> it makes mine a little <laughs> bit more understandable. Like so um, I thought about taking a few verses like specifically in uh, chapter 13. Uh, I just I took five through seven, 10, 10 and 11, and then 16 through 26. You know, and Isaiah is doing these. These are dual prophecies. It's talking about Babylon coming in, but it's also talking about the latter days. And I might have our uh, our students retranslate those verses. Right. Like what is Isaiah seeing in our day? Uh, put it into, see if you can identify what Isaiah is talking about. When he's talking about in the latter days, when he's going to to um, take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments and calls and round tires like the moon, uh, what what are some of the things that, that people are carrying around that are making them prideful or um, thinking they're, they're better? Letting them uh, kind of translate, it's a, kind of a scripture study skill, to put it in their own words, uh, what Isaiah may be talking about here. So, but these are, I like I liked how you how you explained that, that these are people that are hiding. Um, eventually, all is going to be, and it's going to be in chapter 14, that things are going to turn out okay. Uh, but these, these hiders are going to struggle for a little while. Mm-hmm. So, let's talk about chapter 14 or do you have anything more to say about 13 no i think that i mean i don't know how monday's going to roll out for you teachers but if you yeah. if you emphasize chapter 11 get the foundation right then you can maybe practice a little bit here with 12 and 13 and then on tuesday you could go into chapters 14 and 15 and again i would kind of give the the umbrella version of these two chapters to my students uh and say chapter 14 is about protection Mm -hmm. chapter 15 is about a loss of protection <laughs> and so and what kind of protection are you talking about? yeah i'm talking spiritual protection yeah. um really and so you're living in a in a world that is hostile to faith you know and and a lot of unbelief that is permeating our society and so students, if I were saying this to students, I would just be like, you know, belief in God, do you believe in miracles or you believe in God or you just want to even just live a good life of righteousness that you're going to buck into the world at that point. And, and there's a tax on you personally and collectively for all of us about trying to live a good life. There's just so many 
alternative courses and directions and distractions that are out there. So how do you stay focused on the Lord when you live in this kind of a world? You know, well, you have things to protect you and help you to preserve your purpose of life and your connection with God. Check out chapter 14. What are some of those protections and blessings that you have? And then that's a great little, again, six verses, a little study, kind of see where that goes, how they respond to that. Remember, you're observing, listening, and discerning how they react to all of this. And you can kind of help them see what's in chapter 14 um, to protect them. I mean, there's, I mean, symbolically, you're, you're kind of talking about the temple, you're talking about church, you're talking about home and this refuge that they can get. And, and they may want to talk about it a little bit. How has the temple blessed your life or how has... Um, church been a strength to your spirit. Um, and then you could say, okay, now, but Isaiah is going to still give us some warnings here. And so he's still talking symbolically, but what do you think of, you know, chapter 15? And you could say verses like one through seven to start and just say, what's the warning here? You know, because there is a message, uh, a, a negative, what not to do message um, that's in that chapter. And so you can kind of see that and how that how that's going on and and uh, how that can be likened to our day. And then the rest of chapter 15 still has some things that they might not totally understand, yet there are some things that they really would understand, such as verse 13. You know, my people are gone away into captivity because they have no knowledge. No knowledge, right. That's interesting. What kind of knowledge would they need to avoid some kind of bondage, you know, and and so now you can go back to like worldly, worldly things that enslave people and entrap people. And that what's the knowledge that they need to get out of that or to avoid it altogether. And there's a great conversation there, but there's, you know, as they read through the other things, they're going to see like verse 21, woe unto the wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Um, or 20, that's probably the most famous verse uh, in there. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Uh, there's a lot of other phrases that they're going to be able to connect with as they continue their feasting um, in that chapter. But I really think 14 and 15 could be a whole day's worth of, of feasting and discussion and application. So and I, I like the thing that I like is that uh, and you're focusing on spiritual protection. I think that oftentimes when we read Isaiah or, or the book of Revelation, it's really easy to talk about the real hard or scary things that will happen in the last days and that, and your students might become a little um, enamored by that or focused on that. I think pointing them to, we're talking about spiritual pr protection. You're, you are already living in a day where there's lots of hard, difficult things happening that Isaiah's talked about, but we're talking about uh, spiritual protection. Um, there was an idea in the teacher's manual that, Again, in the study helps or uh, no, it's not the study help. Lesson helps uh, supplemental learning. That's what it was um, for. It included all chapters uh, 12 through 15. And it might be a, a little a pretty good little scripture feasting activity. It just had um, it just had your students look for behaviors and attitudes in the last days. And the scripture references that it, that it had was 2 Nephi 12, 7 through 11, 2 Nephi 13, verses 5, 9, and 15 through 17, and then 2 Nephi 15, verses 20 through 23. Uh, I think that might be a, an interesting thing for your students to look for. Like, what did Isaiah, what were the attitudes and behaviors 
that Isaiah saw in the last days. And your students will be able to see those attitudes and behaviors described by him in those in those references there. All right. What about 16? Oh, 16 is such a good chapter. Um, if you oh, so we're gonna we're not gonna skip it. We're not skipping 16 okay. away. All right. All right. So in this chapter, this might be a good place if you haven't already to identify to your students that this is all poetry, you know, and you have to go slower with it doesn't this. rhyme. <laughs> yeah. You could even bring out like a poem that they're familiar with or that they've heard of, such as that Robert Frost. Is that is it Robert Frost? Is the road less traveled? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. You, you're <laughs> smiling at me. Today. <laughs> anyway. I've, been, I've been thinking of all the rhymes. I just know nursery rhymes. Yeah. I, I may have the author wrong. But anyway, you guys know what I'm talking about. You can just give any poem that requires a little you have to slow down to get it mm -hmm. you know but it's it's doable as long as you go slow enough you could you could give them some text from any book that's really linear and non-poetic and kind of show what's the difference between these two paragraphs basically right. get let them see like this is poetry so isaiah is not written like these stories that nephi was describing when you know he broke his bow and he's just kind of telling us what happened you know this is a different kind of writing style. And so you just kind of have to go slower uh, with it. So go slowly as you read through chapter 16 and, and see what you find here. And what is the message that Isaiah is giving to you? And what do you really feel like the Lord wants you to do because of what's taught in chapter 16? And maybe, maybe that's a way to kind of feast on there. I do have this other idea that I think we talked about this when we did the Old Testament um, with this podcast, but I really like this this way of studying Second Nephi 16 is you give a bunch of before after pictures, you know, like a a before a flood and after a flood, you know, and and kind of show this. If you're just Google before after pictures, you'll get a ton of examples of here's this place that was totally messed up on their outdoor with their you know the lawns out of hand, and some guy comes in and just mows it and trims it and edges it and is really looking really good, you know, or you could have a cleaning example or, or a car that's restored that was totally messed up and then it's restored, something like that. You got to, these before after pictures are kind of cool to see. So then show them the before and the after, but not the in-between. So the before is verse five. Um, when Isaiah recognizes that he's in the presence of the Lord, he says, woe is me. I'm undone. I got problems here. I, I, I don't belong here, you know? And then in verse eight, he, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And he says, here am I, send me. Now he's drawing attention to himself, <laughs> you know, like, hey, God, I'm right here. I'll do this, you know? And so something happened in between verse five and verse eight. What is it that cha totally changes Isaiah, you know, completely? So figure it out. It's very symbolic. You know, but figure it out, like study this for a second, two verses, six and seven. What's going on here? What's the, what's the message here? How is Isaiah communicating a very, very, very essential gospel message and let the students practice with that. If you, you could even start with that and then let them go to the rest of the chapter before and after this point to kind of get more details. But chapter 16 has got a lot in this. And I believe that the students can do this if they really put their head and heart into it.
And I and I think that chapter 16, our students can relate, but we'll, we'll, they'll see that Isaiah is relatable to them in that he is, he's given a task. He has a concern. His concern is, I'm not, I can't, I can't really work in, in your, in God's kingdom. I'm undone. I have, I don't have clean lips. So, and then how does God respond to that concern? How can we compare that to our own life? What concerns do we have? How has God already addressed those concerns? Uh, what has he provided for us to, so that we can qualify to be a great servant for him? So, um, I like chapter 60 as well. I think there's some great application there. Okay, bro wing. Now we're on to 2 Nephi 17. Israel's, Israel seems pretty scared. King and uh, uh, is a little bit chicken. Some of the people are there pretty, uh, pretty scared about the uh, potential war that they've got to fight here. Um, mm -hmm. And I really like Isaiah's message to them, which is don't be scared. Right. So, so uh, I think I think uh, and the king's like, well, prove to me. Tell me why. You know, I need a sign. Give me a sign that everything's going to be OK. So uh, I think that this is this is another really applicable like chapter 16 was. I think this is a really applicable chapter to our students. I think there's some I mean, you could have you could start off by having them talk about like what really scares you. What are some things that you're scared and what causes what causes fear and, and what causes you to be scared? Um, things that are unknown. Well, the reason why Isaiah is not scared is because he's a seer. He can see stuff. He's a prophet. He's a revelator. And so he's not scared. He's not scared of, of, um, of any type of war that might be waged against, uh, against the tribe of Judah, against Israel here. So um, one of the things I think is interesting when the, when, the king of Judah asks for a sign. Isaiah kind of rolls his eyes a little bit, maybe, but then, but then tells him about the birth of Jesus Christ, right? And about who Jesus Christ is and that they can be confident uh, because Christ is, because the God of Israel is on their side and it's going to be okay. Um, that phrase, butter and honey shall he eat. I like honey butter, but that is kind of that's symbolic of of good times. I mean, people in in famine and uh, and really hard times, they're not eating butter and honey. They're eating locusts and something. What did they dip locusts in back in those days? <laughs> so really sweet. <laughs> exactly. So chapter eighteen, I think, is a great message that uh, God is going to prevail and. And have faith that even though it might look kind of scary, the chosen, the the those who have made covenants, they're gonna be okay. What do you how do you how are you gonna approach 17? Yeah, you might want to use the map. Um the map. The map, yeah. So there's a map five, I think, that's in our Bible um maps there that could be useful to kind of describe Assyria and the threat. Uh, and this alliance that's that's made between the northern kingdom and Syria against Assyria. Mm -hmm. And then they want Judah, the southern kingdom, to join them. And then now it's like that's the that's the kind of uh, simple way of describing those initial verses there in chapter 17. The map might help the students understand what's really going on here. Um, but I really like how you said that because, you know, imagine 
one of our students going to President Nelson, if they were able to meet him and they describe how their life is and what they're worried about. And what if President Nelson would be like, oh, I understand what you're saying. And I'm just want to, as a prophet, I want to tell you that you don't need to be worried about that. Like it's not going to turn out that way. And what if the student then said back to President Nelson, oh, well, prove it. <laughs> and so he kind of not appropriate, you know? And so, you know, imagine if, if Nephi were like, Hey, I want to, my, my dad had this dream and I want to understand it, you know? And then the angel says, well, do you believe that your father had this dream? He's like, no, I don't really believe it. You know, prove it to me. <laughs> you know, then Nephi doesn't get what he then ended up getting because he, he did believe right. it. You know? And so our belief has a lot to do with, with what we're able to see and understand. And, um, Ahaz here is kind of a bad dude. And, and, uh, but Isaiah is giving him a chance, you know, and, and we're getting a chance as we read these words to then say, okay, what's the message? What the, what's the message for me? So getting the, here you are getting some history. It's not total poetry here. So you're getting some history here. So let him give him the map, let him see what's going on. Let him at least understand that Ahaz is not being good here. You know, but the Lord is being very merciful by sending a prophet. And I think they can get then get that part of the story there. And then I think they can start to understand um, how this could be useful for them, even though admittedly, this is a this might be a little more challenging for the students to understand or or use. But you can go on to then chapter 18. And one right. one one way that I think is very helpful with chapters 17, 18, and 19 is the skill of using that chapter heading. Yeah. So, okay, here's a chapter heading that you can understand, right? Now go into the text and see if you can connect what verses in the chapter teach that. Like, for example, in chapter 18, the last one there, turn to the law and testimony for guidance, you know, in the chapter heading. Well, where where in there does it give us that principle? Um, and I think then the students might get some help, you know, that, hey, basically chapter 18 is saying, you got problems, you know, you you want help, you know, with your problems. Well, turn to the Lord and his gospel path. Like he he will provide answers and you don't have to like waste all this time and energy searching for something else that's mystical or cheap, you know, that you can actually just go to the Lord. Um, and he can help you with these things. So that's one message there. Chapter 19, you can do the same thing with. It's even yeah. better to look at the phrases that are in the chapter heading, then connect the dots, connect with the verses and how that, how that phrase is taught. I had an interesting thought with chapter 18, Brother Wing. I was thinking about how Isaiah and his, and his wife had, had, a, had a baby, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the good news. I mean, the, the, well, there's good news and bad news about this. Bad news is you got to name the kid Maher Shalal Hashbaz. That's the bad news. Uh, a kid's going to get picked on in school. But the good news, uh, the good news is the kid's not going to cry. He's not going to have knowledge of cry. He's going to be a really good baby. Right? That's, that's good news. I was thinking for chapter 18, and you could do this in chapter 19 too. You could do... Uh, you could almost do like uh, scripture feasting jeopardy here, where 
you know, Jeopardy, uh, Brother Wing, where they give the they give the question. No, wait, mm-hmm. they give the answer, mm-hmm. and then you gotta give the you gotta give the question. It's kind of the similar a similar principle, but what I might do is I might throw out to my students a gospel principle, like something like um uh confidence the the lord wants us to be confident in our covenant with him will you find me a verse that that uh, show me how that is taught in this chapter um you could you could give them all kinds of different you maybe you could list on the board like five or six gospel principles um truths about the gospel and just say will you just study these chapters and see if you can see this principle it could be uh, something similar, something like Jesus Christ uh, is the savior of the world and have them go look for that principle. So uh, instead of giving them a verse and having them find a principle, give them a principle and have them find a verse and see what mm. they see, what they can find out there. I do really like chapter 18 um, and 19. I don't, I think one of the messages in chapter 18, which would be great for our students is to not be afraid of the world and, and take confidence in your covenant. Don't take counsel from the world. This is like Isaiah is beating on this drum, right? Like quit listening to these people who have no faith. Why are you being led by these people? And then uh, I like the conversion, the lesson on conversion in chapter 19, especially with uh, the chapter two or verse two and three and, um others in there where we go the gospel brings us from darkness to light uh mm-hmm. from error to knowledge sometimes i think we take it, it's really easy for us to um to not be grateful for what we know in the gospel we just kind of maybe take it for granted a little bit but if we consider for se- i was just i was doing a uh i was in a temple recommend interview the other day and one of the the things that the member the member had a, a concern about sealings and who's going to be sealed to so and so and they said I'm questioning my testimony of the church because of the way the church policy is on these on these various sealings and I just I said the thought came to my mind I said isn't it wonderful that you have these questions if it wasn't for Joseph Smith you wouldn't be in here asking me any questions about who sealed the who. Because sealing isn't a thing if it isn't for Joseph Smith. We don't, the world doesn't believe in sealings. Uh, and that's something that is unique to the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, sometimes we're just used to, I was, uh, we're just walking around in the light and it doesn't mean anything to us until the, until the lights go out. It's like when I was a kid living in Utah, I'm not sure if you've ever been to Utah, it's a state west of your brotherling, but the, Growing up, we had a swamp cooler, right, the, to cool our house down. And that's, I, I mean, you got to have a swamp cooler. You just sweat to death. But I remember when my parents, I went on my mission and I came home and my parents had gotten air conditioned. And, like, I could never go back to a swamp cooler. Swamp coolers are lame. Like, they do, air conditioning is the best. And uh, and I think, I think now I just take, air conditioning for granted, just like I might take some of the truths of the gospel for granted if I don't spend time to, to think about, to think about those. I like that. But swamp cooler has a, that's a much cooler name. It is. I mean, air conditioner. 
<laughs> I like Swamp Cooler. That's a that's a legit name. Oh, maybe that could be I like your point. Name. I like what you said to that um sister in your temple recommend interview. That's a really good way to frame things so that we can focus on the positive and be grateful for what we have. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You got any last thoughts on chapter 19, 18 or 19? Nope. All right. All right, teachers. We're done. What, 20? Oh no, that? we don't never mind. I was all geared up to teach chapter 20 and it's nope. not in next nope. week. No, and plus, this is already a super long podcast. And so even if we were going to teach 20, this week, we're not going to tell the teachers about it. They're going to have to figure it out on their own. Just like a baby chicken trying to get out of a shell. (laughs) But you do have doctrinal mastery. I know you want to talk about that. Um, Yep, we got doctrinal mastery. (laughs) You're smiling at me. Okay, so there's a quote in the doctrinal mastery lesson from President Nelson. Great way to start off uh, this lesson. Then they suggest a couple of scenarios and then you could give the students the the full list of doctrinal mastery passages. There's 12 of them there that they can draw from and they have a key phrase with it as well. And then kind of see how those one, one or more of those doctrinal mastery passages match up with the given scenario. Now, my only suggestion here is that you may want to pick different scenarios. They, those ones might not match up with your students. In fact, what you could do that may be the most effective is have the students come up with the scenarios and just say, hey, what are the just the most common things that teenagers face today that are that they want help with? You know, or if, or if they there's a problem out there that could just go away, you know, what is the <laughs> what are the common problems that that teenagers face that they wish would just go away, you know? And let's, let's put a few of these on the board, you know, five or six of them, you know, if they, if they really think about this, it's not going to hard, it's going to be hard to come up with a list of things like this and then say, okay, we got five or six up here on the board. We could put more, but let's just kind of use this for now. And then here's 12 scripture mastery or doctrinal mastery passages. And just take a minute, you feast on these passages, but on your own for like five or six minutes. And just kind of think about it, consider what it's saying. And then how might these passages help with one of these issues that we've got listed on the board? And let that be their feasting and then lead their discussion after and how useful it is to really be familiar with these passages. Yep. I like it. All right, teachers. That's it. That's all you get. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the thing that we do on Fridays. Until next time, we love your guts. Stay righteous.